0: Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. Now, if you don't like what's being said, then change the conversation. The fictional words of Mad Men's Don Draper, but they could well be those of my guest today, Amy Williams, co-founder and CEO of the ethical advertising agency Goodly. With a commitment to make an impact, Amy is a profit and purpose pioneer in the advertising industry. And that means a new message, a new model, and a new medium. As a winner of AdTech's Next Big Thing and a recent member of Forbes 30 Under 30, Amy is a change maker with the future on her mind, and that means reinventing what business does for good. Amy, welcome to Change Makers. Pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank you. A fabulous introduction.
0: Well, it's a pleasure, and I mean, I don't know if you've watched Mad Men, but I always thought that that phrase of um, change the conversation seemed to be what what good advertisers do. But I suppose in starting our conversation, advertising as a force for good advertising saving the world for those that might have a more cynical disposition and say I don't believe a word of it what's your message to them?
1: Sure I would say that there are of course ways that advertising can be negative but really advertising is just a tool that we can use for good or bad right and and so I would I would say there are two main ways that advertising can be a force for good the first is by changing behaviour or by changing culture, uh, you know, when we advertise electric cars, when we show diverse faces on our on our ads, we are we, we, we're shaping society, and those those can be good things. You know, we work with Birds Eye on a campaign to promote healthy eating, and they doubled the amount of vegetables on kids' plates in the UK through that campaign. Um, the the broadcasters across the UK have just come together to spread a campaign that's about. Um, busting myths on the covid vaccine and getting people all of the true correct information from trusted doctors and sources you know there are there are places where our influence can really help society and, and and also change culture. The Sainsbury's advert Christmas featured a black family, and there was this massive racist response, which was awful to see. And then all of the supermarkets came together and did this stand against racism campaign. And they showed all their ads in one ad break to show that they don't really care if you shop at Waitrose or Sainsbury's. What matters more is that they all stood against this. This uh, they they stood with Sainsbury's in its in its statement around diverse Britain. And so i think there is a role for for influential voices and in the and the way advertising can shape society and i also think advertising's money can shape things in a positive way you know, there are 600 billion dollars flowing through the pipes of media and so advertising is a huge consumer its demand shapes things like the internet and so advertising can fund hate speech it can fund misinformation but it can also fund diverse journalism it can it can fund important news and coverage it's got a role to play in shaping the free internet
0: i mean we'll go on to the the goodly business in a moment but a lot of people would say listening to that well okay i get it those are great examples of good things that um advertisers have done with their with their advertising dollar or pound or whatever um but at the end of the day you know a lot of those companies um will still have large parts of their business models that are putting out food that is bad for us or may well have business models that people would would say are exploitative and um are difficult to justify and that actually the role of of you know very creative people in advertising is to put a a very good gloss on that i mean in terms of the substance behind the message, is it is it something you really look into that, that, that the deeds match the words?
1: Of course that's important. And I think that's one of the reasons why brand purpose today is more powerful than it was 10 years ago, because we can actually check if there's bullshit behind the words and we can kind of hold brands a bit more accountable. You've seen a lot of brands fall during the last 12 months when they try and respond to the Black Lives Matter protests and the Black Lives Matter movement. And people call them out because they've not got their house in order, because they've not ensured that they have diverse talent and that they're protecting their workforce and that they're championing people internally. So, you know, I I always think that brand purpose or, or, or brand conscious conscience should be coupled with accountability and we should never stop challenging businesses to be better we should never accept that you know the gloss advertising might put on is 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 the end of the story but I also think that perfection can be the enemy of progress and by holding these businesses to unreasonable ethical standards we make them afraid to take the first steps, you know, when mm. they when they put their head above the parapet and get yelled off the stage, then they're going to just stay in their hole and keep making money by shoveling palm oil into their products and by promoting white people and, and nothing will change. So creating a space where we can allow brands to like see the business benefits of doing good is really important.
0: Right. So, so you mentioned the change and the change that you're helping businesses go on. And a, a lot of people look at a business like yours GoodLeap, and they say well this is a great example of the change this is this is the sort of the, the shape of things to come the idea that you know um business can be a force for good in in the world and tell us a little bit more about about the concept behind it because I, I love this idea of the value exchange tell, tell, tell us a little bit more about that
1: Sure, yeah. So I started my business looking at the world of advertising. And at the time, there were two trends happening. The first was this this rise in brand purpose. Unilever had just announced a study that showed their sustainable brands or their purposeful brands grew 50% faster than the rest of their portfolio. So businesses around the world were starting to notice that if they did good, they could sell more soap. And at the same time, ad blocking was tripling year on year. Everyone hates advertising. It is this universal thing that unites us all, which is, you know, advertising now sits down with with bankers and estate agents as people that you don't want to sit next to in the pub. And um and, and it felt like I I wanted to create something in this industry that that we could all be proud of that that brands could lean into that help them, you know, deliver on all of these purposeful ideals that they'd started to lay out. And so Goodloop is really about making brands put their money where their mouth is. We distribute their adverts around premium publisher sites like the New York Times, The Economist, Reuters. And if people choose to watch, and that's crucial that it's a choice, you know, they they can always press skip, they can always scroll past. But if they choose to give that advertiser a little bit of their precious time and their precious attention, then they unlock a free donation funded by that brand. So you get to do good for free simply by giving a few seconds of your day and the advertiser gets genuinely a better ad experience and then mm. they get better ROI. Because
0: well, I think what I found interesting about that was that often people will say purpose and profit are two completely different things. But I think the, the interesting thing about your model is that an advertiser who wants somebody's time actually by doing good things is more likely to get it.
1: Well, this was when I was doing my research on the business. You know, one of the main drivers of ad blocking isn't that we don't want adverts; it's that we want choice, we want control. You know, I think we are starting to become aware as consumers of the internet. We are starting to become aware how valuable we are: our eyeballs, our attention, our data. You know, this 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 idea that when when a, a service is free or the product, it's started to become quite mainstream. And so we're aware when we're not getting a good value exchange. When ads are being forced on us and when you can't read the bloody article because there's so many ads around it, that's a poor value exchange. And so what we're trying to do is reframe that and say, your time is valuable. So you get to do a little bit of good if you if you engage with this brand.
0: So you've caught the attention of some very large organizations. You've mentioned some, and, I know, and I've looked on your website, you've got many, many others. In terms of the changes that they are having to make themselves to themselves, the way that they, they I guess, evolve their worldview, their business practices. To what degree is a business like Goodloop involved in culture change as well as communication?
1: I always say we are the, the Trojan horse. We're the start of the journey. Like working with us is a really, really easy way to start to do some good. Well, you know, we take existing ad creative, we distribute it for them across publishers that we know and trust and validate, and then we donate to the charities on their behalf. So it's a great sort of toe in the water, as it were. Mm. And we have impact investors in the business who invested primarily for that reason, because it, it it's a great way for businesses to see ROI of social impact. You know, we look at to what extent does this ad drive higher engagement rates, but then also how does it drive brand love how does it build loyalty how does it make people trust your brand more we've worked with a lot of brands especially over covid on building trust and and we consistently find better results when you use this ethical format and so what that does is it gives a business case to the company to the organization that shows We did this ethical thing and here are the results in terms of ROI and business impact. And that ROI can then help to sort of scale the change throughout the rest of the organization. Um, A a really lovely example of this, we worked with a fashion brand um, across multiple markets, funding different uh, tree planting and sustainability initiatives. We had a few different charities people could choose to support and over 60 percent of our users chose WWF. Um, and that was really interesting insight for this fashion brand who now have done multiple campaigns with us in, 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 the, in the following months where all the money went to WWF, but you could choose the Amazon Fire appeal or turtle nest mapping or all these different lovely projects that the, that the charity work on. And, and that relationship has deepened even further than advertising. They, they now have a, a global partnership. Mm. So, so it's great when you can kind of be that first step.
0: But I, I suppose the thing I'm, I'm thinking about as as you speak, is that obviously you are, as you say, the Trojan horse, the first step. Um, And and this is all part of a bigger debate about where business goes next. So the World Economic Forum has got its um, Great Reset campaign about what do the powerful do. Um, The commercial case for doing good things is made by, you know some extraordinary leaders, the Paul Pullmans and and others that that have been making that case for some years. the The question is is that is this now going to become the new mainstream, where we see this as less of a handful of examples. The interview alongside you is with Richard Walker from from Iceland, where we talked a little bit about the firms of endearment in the States, the these businesses that, that 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 are as much about the heart and doing good and kind things. But a lot of people turn around and they go, You can't scale with that. You can't mm. be commercially successful with that. It's great if it's a if it's a small firm, but these kind of you know global giants they're the one-offs they're not going to become the mainstream what's your message to the doubters in this discussion I guess
1: well firstly I'm not 100% out of the doubters camp like I'm I'm not kind of drinking the kool-aid here I do think that there is an important barrier to, to to create between business responsibility and businesses saving the world like kindness will always trump capitalism you there's a A great example of this is that in the UK we donate blood and in the US you get paid for blood and the UK per capita has gallons more of the stuff like we are more generous because it's kindness not capitalism and that um, I think that's an important just caveat before we go on, which is to say that we can't put a price tag on kindness because it will erode society. But I do think businesses can be held accountable and I do think that ethical business can scale. It's interesting. There are this, this sort of this cohort of, of big global ethical businesses from the early 90s who are still around today. Right. Ben and Jerry's, Patagonia, Body Shop, they're always mentioned. Interestingly, actually, in Anita Roderick's biography, she mentions meeting Ben and Jerry and talking about how they're they they're this sort of that they're, they're this cohort of of business people reacting to the selfishness of the 80s. That's how she kind of frames it. But then there's this gap, you know, there's the there's the body shop, the Patagonias from the 90s, then there's sort of like this big gap, and then there's the 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 tech companies and the early businesses of today. I, I don't know why that gap happened. D-
0: d- can I just can I just jump in because I, I, yeah. I think there's a really interesting because I, I mean I, I didn't know the the um the difference on on the kind of um, blood donation but the this kind of you know I, I guess you made the point of breaking out kindness and and capitalism as being two different things and of course a lot of people will say by its nature um, capitalism is about competition
1: yeah
0: um, it's about beating your opponent. Um, and it is therefore unkind. I mean, mm. is that is that how you see it?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, where, where shareholder value hold primacy, we will never see meaningful social change from business. And that's actually why I believe so strongly in the B Corp movement. You know, in 2019, there was that business roundtable where you know, over 180 CEOs signed this piece of paper to say that shareholder primacy was was going to be reduced and actually they were going to prioritise their society as well as their shareholders. So they signed this piece of paper in 2019 and then they continued to prioritise their shareholders and nothing changed. And and you mentioned before about leaders who really take action. I do think you know, it's important to have the leadership on this, Paul Pullman, Larry think they are great examples of leaders driving this but it's also very easy for leadership to sign a piece of paper and the b corp movement makes companies legally change their articles of association Goodloop is a b corp and i as a as a board member i am legally responsible for profit to our shareholders and protecting our community our society our planet and our employees both of those hold equal priority and so it changes your decision making
0: and and I would just like to sort of just let listeners know. Obviously, a, a previous episode with with Charmy and Love, who chairs um, B Labs, part of of, of B Corp. So, lots more on that there. I suppose the the thing um, that that picking up on it is that you know you mentioned B Corps, you mentioned this kind of you know, and you, and you show it, Amy, the, the, the sort of the the activism, the excitement, the fact that you can be part of a change, but being part of a change not as a um an ngo back to your sort of food for thought days in argentina but actually as an entrepreneur that actually that, that actually business is the tool to affect the change that you seek what, what, i'd be interested to know because obviously a lot of this story started um with with your time um working on working on the food agenda in in argentina and then th- thinking actually i don't i don't want to do this with an established advertising agency i could do i could do stuff on my own Talk about unleashing the entrepreneur. That, that, that I think a lot of people are interested in, in terms of the entrepreneur of maker.
1: <laughs> unleashing <laughs> the entrepreneur. I love that. Um, it, yeah, I wouldn't say it was an unleashing. It was more a very cautious crawling. But um, it did start in Argentina. You're absolutely right. I left behind my advertising days um, with a few little seeds planted, I suppose. The, the most important seed was... So we were working with Unilever; they were our big client while I was at Ogilvy, and we had a product. I remember it so clearly. It was called One Rinse, and the product was one less rinse. You needed to rinse your clothes one less amount of times. So you know, I'm sat late at night. It's your past office hours. I'm sat with the planner. We're doing some, some like last minute campaign prep, and we do some. We do some kind of back of the fag packet maths, and we think, right, one less rinse. And a family does like three washes a week. And, you know, there's this many families and it's across Vietnam, Thailand, Brazil, Indonesia. Suddenly you've got more water in this one this one campaign being saved than I will literally ever use in my lifetime through this one product. And so it, it was just such a tangible illustration of how when you make global businesses a tiny bit better. You make a huge change in the world because of their Mm. influence and their scale. So that 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 seed was planted, but then equally we did a three-day workshop on the meaning of freshness. And I was like, I'm out. This is not what I spend my life on. Bye. (laughs) So I left advertising behind. But
0: the thing I think about is that you are a, a great example of, you know, a generation of entrepreneurs that are now putting their talents and their time into Creating businesses that are being, you know, supercharged to affect that change, and then around us we've got um, a number of other bodies that are trying to affect that change. So we've got COP twenty six coming um, to, to to this country in 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 November. We've got things like the Sustainable Development Goals. We've got big governments and big companies talking to each other. But I suppose you're part of this generation of entrepreneurs often in that kind of post start scale up phase that you know some people are saying don't look to what the big is doing right now look at look at what these younger firms are doing because that is where you'll see the real change makers i mean when you're talking to big government big companies do they really get you do they really get the you know this kind of fiercely urgent activist that's that sat there selling them advertising services?
1: I think I think that we lull them into a false sense of security. I think that all of this is about learning which bits of the system to use and which bits of the system to change. And so, you know, by by plugging into a programmatic infrastructure. By leveraging premium publishers, by by enabling them to use existing ads, like you know, all of these little tick boxes that say, this isn't scary, this isn't revolutionary, and it's not gonna break anything. You know, those little tick boxes create trust. And then we can use their ad money to fund amazing charities around the world. And so that's the kind of that's the thing I've learned in trying to be this disruptor that you that you talk about, is is trying to figure out the the small piece. Where you can make change, but then covering that in layers of of, of reassuring familiarity.
0: Okay, so language becomes important, but I, I suppose the other thing, though, <clears throat> a lot of my guests in past interviews have have taken aim at the world of digital um, as being a big part of the, of the problem here, because um, you know, if you look at the social dilemma, if you you know the Netflix show. I had Yanis Varoufakis, the, the Greek economist, um, talking about techno feudalism. His his view is, well, look, the medium's rotten. You know that actually there's a real problem with, you know, trying to do good things on platforms that, that don't have good purposes. Um, I'd like to hear a, a counter view to that. In you know, because I, my sense is that digital is also this phenomenal change agent and force. You know, uh, for improvement in in the world, how do you use it? How do you make sure it does the good things by which it was originally you know intended?
1: I think that I think that there's a role for advertising in funding a very free, accessible internet. And for me, that is the most valuable thing that digital can can bring is accessibility and 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 freely available information, you know that shared knowledge. And so when I think about my role, my industry's role, it always comes back to what are our ads funding, you know? And and where we've gone wrong in the past is that we've created demand for attention rather than for quality. And so you've had clickbaity titles, you've had incendiary, hateful headlines because it drives attention because that's what we've been buying. But, you know, where we can reframe the demand and reframe the things that advertising are buying against. And we look at quality context and we look at diverse voices. You know, It's really interesting, for example, looking at block lists. So advertisers will use block lists to ensure that their ads don't appear in scary places, which is right to an extent. You know, they don't want their ads appearing next to horrible headlines about terrorists and you know a plane advert doesn't want to be next to a plane crash article so there are there are uses for for this tool but a recent study found that 73 percent of lgbtq plus content gets blocked because of these block lists because people put lesbian and gay on their block list because it you know it's uncertain and it creates like this very 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 narrow window through which we can view the internet because it's the very narrow window that's monetized so I guess I don't have the whole answer to your question because I I, I only know the slither of the internet that advertising can fund and fuel. But I do think that 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 can play a massive role in making it accessible for everyone.
0: And and, and what about the pandemic in terms of how that has affected digital as a marketplace? You know, you've spoken about, I I guess, the, the negative aspects of that. A lot of people will say, look, you know, digital has been, the backbone you know we're talking on a you know sort of digital platform which can mean we can be anywhere and we can contact each other that actually there are some you know the the way society has held itself together in this most dreadful time you know digital stepped up to the plate to deliver and other people will say well you know what it's also shown this dreadful terrible digital divide this cruel divide which actually means that you know huge parts of the population um around the world don't even have access to digital or the internet and and even when they do they might not necessarily understand it if English isn't a first language I mean I suppose it's it's shown this kind of challenges and, and and opportunities I guess in terms of what might happen next
1: I completely agree. But don't you feel it's also illustrated how when we do have access, we can survive anything, you know, we can, we can maintain our human relationships without having hugged someone in six months, we can, we can connect with our families and we can, we can Create content like this. We can do so many things that we never thought we could from from a, the safety of our own homes, and I, I think that has reframed a lot of humans' a lot of humanity's challenges and made it feel more doable. It's also made it feel more urgent. You know, it feels like this is a practice run at what the climate crisis could bring, and so you know I I feel that we've we've learned how to use these tools. We've forced adoption to new levels. We've identified the gaps and those gaps need to be filled. You're totally right. Where where you've got kids doing their homework in parking lots because they need the free Wi-Fi. Like those are gaps we need to address. But the solution isn't rolling back digital inclusion.
0: I think that's a very interesting phrase, the dress rehearsal, because I think at its best, it's shown incredible creativity and inventiveness, but it's also established, you know, the real challenges now that actually those that have been marginalized and left out from this is that, that to leave a global generation behind is not the acceptable face for capitalism for the future. And I suppose how that is addressed becomes um really the 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 kind of like the mission of the mission of the age um
1: totally but it feels doable right like i mean there's a there's an amazing charity called hello world who um distribute ipads into really remote places that don't have that much access and they use satellites to get wi-fi and they have these e-learning tools they load on it's it's cheap it's affordable to you know Mm. it's it's something that we absolutely can scale into those places that are otherwise unreached. And, you know, it's way more accessible than world leaders going and having a party in Davos. We can have these open conversations on the Internet with people from all corners of the world.
0: Well, I, I think you're right. And, and I think, you know, to add to that, the, the, the speed of digital is also one of the most exciting parts about it. I interviewed a, um, a professor of Latin American um, culture from the States, and she was making the point that, you know if we were having this debate a couple of years ago then actually the, the issue of speech would be a major uh, and language would be a major one but but increasingly what's happening is that technology is 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 removing that as an issue because if you can understand each other and she was talking about the rise of spanglish in the states as being a you know much criticized thing but that is actually what the internet does it takes the way that people communicate and and makes it real and i thought it was a really interesting perspective mm-hmm. about where technology can do very very good things. Now mm-hmm. I just want to I'm, I'm conscious of our time um, but I, you, you've obviously you know done a huge amount and and reading your story has been a joy genuinely a joy but I, I read a, a very interesting piece um, that you contributed to about leadership and you you said that um, your goal um, was to Work to make yourself obsolete. That was the that was your management style, and and I, and I thought, you know, first of all, I thought, is the world ready for an obsolete Amy? But then I thought, <laughs> you know, are there lots of leaders that are sat around thinking, hmm, that could be quite a nice idea?
1: <laughs> yeah, you've revealed my inherent laziness. I do. I, I you know, as a founder of a business. I had the idea, you know, I was sat in Argentina feeding these kids on a tenner a week and thinking, bloody hell, there's billions of that back home flowing into Google and Facebook. Like, you know, I can take credit for the original thought, but it's very unlikely I'm going to be the best person to scale a sales team or to you know, to, to drive our PL and and to uh, ensure that our legal contracts are the best they can be. Like there are, there are so many facets to a business. And one of the things I've realized is that the best kind of founder and the best kind of early stage business leader is a humble one who can acknowledge their own, blind spots and I have built an amazing team around me you know I've got such a kick-ass sales force and I've got like this amazing group of leaders that 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 drive the business forward with me and it's it's honestly I remember the first time I went on holiday and I didn't feel like the company was going to stop while I went away and it was like it was like spinning a spinning a plate and then letting go and watching it spin and and being like oh my god it's bigger than me oh my god it's bigger than me like that moment is so wonderful and and it's 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 great to kind of drive that forward
0: I can imagine but presumably it allows you to spend time on 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 things around the business as well that could be important to it I mean I I, just just a last point I mean we, we didn't speak about the you know, if you don't like what's being said, change the conversation. Which I mentioned at, at the very beginning. That 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 conversation that that's going to emerge as we look to the next chapter in our relationship with the planet—a post-pandemic world. Let's hope you know things that will be possibly more balanced in terms of our ability to get out and meet each other. But we'll also, with it, reveal some enormous challenges for the world in terms of mental health and well-being in terms of inequity in terms of many many you know uh, an incredible to-do list of 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 issues when you look at that future landscape and you look at that future conversation how do you feel about it do you feel is that is that the next big amy moment of actually this is where positivity matters or is it just or is it quite overwhelming do you think
1: I love a to do list. I mean, let's get going. You know, like I I spent an embarrassing amount of money on a to do list planner off Amazon recently, and I am absolutely loving it. I think if you list the things you've got to do, if you're aware and acknowledge them, then, you know, you're taking a step forwards. And I just I see how so many things have changed for the better in this pandemic you know one in five Brits have volunteered in the last 12 months you know the rainbows in the windows the clapping for the NHS the food banks the 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 the, the kindness has been driven by a sense that our differences are smaller than our similarities you know and that that fuel can help us in the to-do list ahead
0: and I'm sure that many listeners will have just had the same reaction I had. Let's get going. I love yeah. it. That could be that could be your new TV show. Amy, thank you very much um, for joining me um, today. That's all we have time for for this edition of, of Changemakers. Thank you very much to my guest there, um, Amy Williams, the story of good loop, the story um, of that conversation for the future. And I think also the story of what good business does next. I'll see you next time.